my title tonight is uh, The Prison Called Performance. And uh, I want to talk about something I think is very important, and that's um, our mentalities and our perspectives on things. Um, so I'm going to jump right into it. Um, being a son of God, being a child of God, comes with a mindset. Adversity comes... Uh, adversity causes us to rise to new levels. We hate adversity, but adversity is necessary. Amen? Our Father is not interested in our comfort, and He's not interested in our pleasure, but He is interested in our transformation. Amen? So Jesus was attacked with a few different questions in the desert, and all of the questions started with something like this. If you really are the son of God, if you really are who you say you are, see, all of Satan's attacks were identity-based. God wants us to upgrade our mentalities so that we have the mindset of an overcomer in this hour of attack on those of us who are called, and we are all called. Amen. Amen. There are two identities contrasted in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, uh, the slave and the son. These two mindsets are completely opposite from one another, and each of us identifies as one or the other. Romans 8, 14, and Galatians 4 and 7 lay out the template for this sonship mindset. Connecting to what God says about you and taking on your new identity as a child of God is imperative for going to the next level. That God has planned for us. We are not slaves. Amen. Galatians 4 and 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. When you connect to your sonship, you connect to the inheritance that is available to you. Without sonship, there is no inheritance. Slaves receive no inheritance from their masters. The only thing that they inherit is a lifetime of hard work and performance and eventually death. Your inheritance and my inheritance, and I love to say things that are, you know, that, you know, get you thinking. Your inheritance is not about heaven. Our inheritance is a now operation. Our inheritance will cause us to be representatives of his kingdom on the earth. If we will think like a child of God first, then we can operate in the giftings that God has given us and we can be effective for the kingdom of God. What we do flows from who we are. It's not the other way around. We're not who we are because of what we do. What we do flows from our identity every single time. If you are a slave, if I am a slave, then you will perform and you will work hard trying to please God, trying to earn your place in heaven. Most slaves are performing and doing their best to escape hell. It's hell escapism. But for sons of God... This is not about escaping hell and making it to heaven. Amen. Amen. This is about a relationship between a child and a father. Amen. Amen. 
And it is about a mission to expand the kingdom of God on this earth. So what happens if you go to your stove and you change the knob, you turn the knob just slightly? It changes the temperature dramatically, doesn't it? Likewise, small changes in identity, if you would see yourself as God sees you, this brings tremendous transformation on, a, on the wider scale. So walking in sonship requires more than just a declaration that you are a child of God. See, everyone says, everybody in here would claim that you are a child of God. But this is something you have to actively and organically receive. Once you truly receive this identity, you can make those declarations, but they will be followed by making the necessary adjustments to actually manifest that. You see, we can live under a message of freedom and still be in bondage. There are many Christians that live under the message of freedom, but they show by the way they live and the way that they act that they are actually in bondage. Until we own it, until we shift it, until we take it into our lives and our hearts and we make it a manifestation of what God says about you. So... We all in here have common sense. If we're walking through the woods and we're hunting and we see a bear trap, we're not going to step in the bear trap, right? Because it's a trap. Well, there is a major trap among Christians that oftentimes we all willingly step into. And this is the trap of unworthiness. If God said it, then it is available to you. Amen. We need to break free from, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy of that, or I don't really, God wouldn't do that for me, or God does that for so-and-so, but would not do it for me, or I'm not good, the, I'm not good enough mentality. These are traps. Amen. Poor Ezra. So there are different roles in the kingdom of God. You have, you know, Ephesians, um, I can't remember the chapter, but if he, Paul lays it out in Ephesians. There's the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We have the leader. We have business owner, father, mother, minister. You know, there's many different roles that we can step into in our lives. These are roles that we step into. We fulfill these roles. This is our calling. And the level at which these roles are manifested flows from your identity. What you do flows from who you are. And our core identity is a son of God or a daughter of God. This is our core identity. Amen. Amen. Sonship is the core into which all other roles are wired. You are not what you do. Those are roles. You are who he says you are. That is sonship. Amen. Romans 8 and 14 says, for as many that are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. The sons of God. You must learn to approach God as your father. Learn to relate to him as a child does to his dad. This is very important. I cannot stress it enough because this is God's paradigm. In this day and age, in the dispensation of grace, sonship is the frequency from which God operates. Father to son and son to father 
is the frequency that God chooses to operate in when it comes to us. Amen. To operate on a different frequency is to accept static and partial receptivity. Amen. When we are, when we are praying and, you know, we're reaching out to God because he's out here somewhere. And he's God, capital G, and he's Master, capital M, and he's not Father. It can be very difficult to connect to him personally. Amen. The frequency of heaven is set on the frequency of sonship. The supernatural in its maximized state flows from this frequency. The greatest identity available to you and available to me is sonship. Amen. Everything else is an outflow of sonship. Discouragement comes when we dial back into the frequency of slavery. And this is what I'm talking about. Breaking free from this prison of slavery of performance. We dial back into the frequency of slavery and discouragement comes. See, in the Old Testament, they were slaves to sin. They were slaves to fear. They were slaves to doubt. They were slaves to defeat. They were slaves to sickness. They were slaves to intimidation. They were slaves to the demonic. They were slaves to limited knowledge and limited wisdom. When we live in the same frequency they lived in, like those under the Old Testament, we know God only as a consuming fire. We only know God as the punisher. We only know God as one who withholds from us. We only know God as we have to earn visitation from him somehow. And we live as if he is outside of us rather than inside of us right now, right here. Amen. It is by the Holy Ghost that we can cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. But those in the Old Testament could not relate to him as their father. And they, they, were, un, they were slaves to the law. Amen. Some talk to God on the slave frequency. I've lived my life, most of my life, in the slave frequency. We beg him. We feel unworthy. We sit waiting on him, and if we don't get what we need, we feel abandoned, we feel worthless, we feel ashamed, and we don't feel accepted. We ask questions like, God, where are you? It's as if he is far away and distant, and like we've got to beg him or please him or coerce him in some way to, to, for him to come near to us. That is slavery. Living in slavery, you can only see him as God, capital G, and are therefore unable to relate to him as father. Sons, ch children of God, boldly step in with gratitude. We approach with faith and with trust, declaring and manifesting their worth. Because if God has said it about me, then I believe it. Amen. If God says I'm worthy, then I am worthy. Hallelujah. We can walk into his presence aware of the power of our father and his presence, and we don't have to beg to get into it. This is a shift in mindset that God wants to get us to make. Change your mindset and change your posture. 
and change your frequency. And I wrote down a few things that, uh, that sons do. Number one, sons possess a reliance on the love and the goodness of their father. And you can read in uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to read all of it. I don't have a lot of time. But Paul was persuaded. Paul was convinced in his own heart of the love and the goodness of God. No matter what he went through. Amen? Every single trial that comes into my life and that comes into your life is a test of one thing. Your love. It is a test of your love. Just as a brief example. We know that love does many things and doesn't do many things. But one of them, and it's one that I really do a lot of thinking about, is that love, Scripture tells us that love keeps no record of being wrong. Love keeps no record of being wrong. So how are we responding when someone wrongs us? It's a test of your love. It's a test of my love. If if one of you hurts me or offends me, or if I offend one of you, what is my response to you if you've offended me? Am I going to seek revenge on you? Am I going to backbite you to someone else or gossip about you? That is a test of my love. But if I am actively receiving the love of God in my life, then you can do me harm, and I will be able to forgive you and release you, and I can move on in my relationship with the Lord. Amen. Every single thing that we go through is a test of our love. So um, our response, our response is a good report card. It's a report card. The enemy uses brokenness and sin to hinder our ability to understand the power and the goodness and the love of God that is available. Sons of God rest on this powerful anchor, the goodness and the love of of their father. Now slaves have a he loves me, he loves me not mentality. You know, he loves me when things are good, he loves me not when things are not good. That's that's how slaves think. Amen. If the enemy can steal this deep root of reliance on the love of God, he can destroy your starting point of all things truly spiritual and supernatural in your life. Number two, sons live confident in who they are. They have a strong sense of identity. We have to talk from sonship, act from our sonship. Everything flows from our identity. Talk as powerful. Connect to him and forge your identity through the realm of adversity through the realm of resistance, and through the realm of disappointments. The enemy tries to use these things to make you unsettled in who you are. But these things can actually propel you into what God wants you to do for the kingdom. A son rises up above adversity, through adversity, knowing it isn't permanent, and they will overcome. Hallelujah. But see, slaves go through adversity, and the adversity becomes their identity. Your problem is not your identity. It's one thing to go through a season of poverty. It's another thing to have a spirit of poverty. You think out of lack and poverty. What has come against you has become you. That is slavery. 
You may have an illness. You may be going through a battle. You may have a mental struggle. But you are not what you are going through. Do not let your battle own your mindset. Sonship causes us to overcome. Sonship does not allow us to be victims, but it causes us to see over our situations and over our circumstances, looking above and ahead to the outcome of the overcoming sonship. Also, sons do not compare themselves to other sons. We do not compare ourselves amongst ourselves. The moment that comparison exists, you have just cheapened what God has created and formed you to be. Because we are each, we are each different in identity. Amen. Number three, sons have a big God mindset. Anytime you try to box him in, he's going to break those walls. He is a father like no other. Romans 8 and 31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Amen. He's a big God. Amen. Slaves serve a little God and a boxed-in God. Their God is on the level of their circumstance, not over their circumstance. A scarcity mindset is when everything becomes smaller so that you can control it and manage it, and you lose the big God mindset. The big God mindset sees a healing and says, there's more where that came from. A slave says, I have to take this and hold on to it because I got it by luck and it may never happen again. The enemy wants you in a cave. The enemy wants you to draw in. The enemy wants you to protect yourself. But God says this world is waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. This mindset is an abundance mindset, and we have to reset how we approach adversity, how we approach debilitating thoughts, how we approach darkness, and how we approach fearful places. When these come, you will either rise up higher or settle down and be held captive by it. Because of a son's perspective of God, they have trained themselves to see adversity as a moment when they and God can rise up. Look at the enemy and say to the devil, I don't even know why you bothered to show up today. That's how a son acts. That comes from sonship. Number four, sons are more willing to give trust. Slaves are constantly suspicious and paranoid and constantly judging and questioning everyone's motives around them, including God. Sons don't waste their energy wondering what people are going to do to them or say about them. Some say, well, if people hurt me, or excuse me, sons say, if people hurt me, my dad will heal me. I will only come out stronger in that area. Classic slavery is thinking that they are operate. See, people operate. There are some people that say they operate in discernment when they're actually just suspicious people. They're actually projecting their pain on the closest thing that looks like their pain. 
sons carry a level of trust and healing that their pain, their brokenness, their criticisms or disagreements don't pervert their discernment. For example, if a man hurts them when they are around other men, they will pick out men that they think have an anger problem because they've been dealing with anger. If they're battling lust, they will go around actually pinpointing people they discern are having a lust issue. If they are having a pain or a hurt with a female, they'll go about calling every female Jezebel. They're projecting, not discerning. This is why it is imperative for sons to get healing, to get victory, and to walk in an overcoming mindset. Purity of heart, mind, soul, and spirit is the only way to keep your gifting unperverted. I'm not even sure if that's a word, unperverted. Unhealed hurts create suspicions. Sons learn to access and receive healing from their father, and they refuse to live in a relational prison built on the blocks of suspicion and projection. Number five, and I'm moving quickly, sons love to better the whole group, the body, and the gathering. Romans 8.17, Paul says, that we may also be glorified together. When a son walks into a gathering, he's looking around. When a slave walks in, he is looking down or inward. They're protecting themselves. They're guarding themselves. They're in survival mode. We must break out of the slavery where all we think about is ourselves. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you are going to lose your life. Sons look into a setting and they say, what is God doing for the people right here? You see, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. This is how sons operate. We do what we see the father doing, and we say what we hear the father saying. It is a now operation. What this does is it propels the supernatural. This demands our engagement. This provokes the prophetic. And this calls out every gifting of the spirit. Slaves focus on, here's how I'm feeling. Here is what I am going through today. They have trained themselves by their master and their taskmaster to think about their condition, their situation, their day, what they need, what they want, etc. That is slavery. A slave looks down and says, I'm not going to change until my situation changes. A son says, I am rising up whether my situation changes or not. Amen. Look at the apostles, how they functioned. If money was abundant, then that's great. But if they were in a prison with rats crawling around their feet, their state of mind did not shift with their condition. Amen. The more that you beat them, the more that you stoned them, the more that you mistreated them, the more powerful they became. Sons think about their brothers and sisters, and they think about their father. They want to be a blessing. They want to give to the whole body. They want to defend the gathering and the fellowship. They are not focused on what can I get or feed me or do for me or meet my needs or put expectations on others, which leads to disappointment. I cannot depend. I love all of you, 
but I cannot de- truly depend on anyone but my Father. Amen. The moment I begin to put unrealistic expectations on you, I'm going to be disappointed every single time. A son is dependent upon their father. Amen. Sons are constantly upgrading by the power of their father. Every single trial that they go through, every adversity that they face, it propels them to a higher level. The word is consistently transforming and adding to them, and they recognize the power that they bring. The word doesn't lie dormant in their life. When a son comes to the body of Christ, to the gathering, they see their value, so they operate at maximum capacity. This is the number one obstacle in getting people engaged. They have to have a shift from slavery to sonship, owning that they have an effect on the atmosphere. If God has given you a gift, it is not prideful to use your gift. Amen. Amen. You know, humility is not... When you're gifted, saying, oh, I can't really play the keyboard. I'm, you know, I'm not like so-and-so. That's not humility. That is not humility. Own your gifting. Now, don't be arrogant, but own your gifting and allow God to use you. Amen. Slavery stayed with the Israelites, and they could not take the promise while slavery was still in them. See, they left Egypt, but Egypt didn't leave them. Number six, sons do not waste energy listening to the enemy's accusations. Focusing on guilt, shame, condemnation, and accusation is a waste of energy. Slaves waste their time stewing and rolling these things over in their spirit. Sons simply ignore it. Romans 8.33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This is the only way a son handles and treats these types of thoughts that make you feel lower, discouraged, or worthless. A son looks at the source of these thoughts and says, Wait a second, who are you, my enemy? I'm sorry, I cannot read. To be my judge or my source of opinion. It is my father that sets the atmosphere of my identity and who I am. If God hasn't said it about me, I don't care what the enemy says about me. And sons don't waste their time looking into the accusations of people or the enemy. Amen. I'm going to skip forward. Sons rise up and grow in hardship. They look at their situation without negativity and complaining. Sons live in a kingdom that is full of good news, which deposits love and hope into every situation. Slaves are hopeless. They own pain. They own sorrow, and they embrace the downtrodden. Sons embrace the moment of pain, sorrow, and grief, but after they connect with the Father, they walk away with hope in the middle of their trying times. You know, recently, you know, our family's been going through quite a bit. Um, You know, just in the past couple of years, you know, I've been fired from a job that I loved, uh, I have, um, you know, we've been through a lot of financial issues. Uh, you know, my father was just arrested and is awaiting imprisonment. You know, th- there's been a lot of things. You know, people have, people have said things about me that weren't true. I've been accused of things. I've lost friends. 
a lot of things have come into my life just in the past two years that if I let it, it could destroy me. But every single time something like this comes up, I have grown just that much closer to the Lord because my perspective is when these things come against, I embrace my father in these times. Amen. You know, what are you doing with the pain in your life? How are you, how are you reacting to the pain that comes into your life? Amen. Amen. Pain is an opportunity for you to connect to your father on a much deeper level than you have ever before. Amen. Beware of the slaves around you. When you hear complaining, it's the voice of slavery. Amen. Ten, last one. Sons are not limited, nor are they condemned by their weaknesses. Sons do not get caught up in seeing or recognizing their weaknesses or their issues when they look in the mirror. They just go to a deeper reliance on the love of the Father. Romans 8.26 says that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And in my closing, the last few things I'm going to say, I want to talk about grace and mercy. Every single one of us, you know, we're not perfect. We're sons of God, but we're not perfect. You know, Scripture tells us we are saved by the grace and by the mercy of God. So what, is that, what does that look like? You know, we know that we're not saved by our human works, you know, lest any man should boast. Now, people use that Scripture to say that speaking in tongues is a work, so, you know, we don't have to speak in tongues because it's a work. But there's a difference between human works and the works of the Spirit. Amen. When we respond to the gospel by faith and we, are, we repent of our sins and we turn from the world to Jesus Christ and he fills us with his spirit, Christ has come into us and we've been put into Christ. We're baptized in Jesus' name. Which, which, no, Holy Ghost and filling is Christ into us. Baptism is us being put into Christ. But that is a work of the spirit. After that fact... What saves you will not be your performance. It will not be the fact that you've prayed every day and fasted every day and been to every single church service and paid your tithes. That is not what saves you. Now, we do these things. We believe in these things. These are imperative. We practice these things. Do not get me wrong. But God's grace is what saves us. What this means is, so here's the standard God wants us to be at. This is righteousness or or whatever. So we, can, we try our best, we make it about right here. The grace of God is what makes up that difference. Amen. Amen. Meaning that you and I, every single one of us are going to die one day, and every single one of us are going to die with areas in our lives that need improvement. And in, until we uh, understand and accept this, We are going to be fearful slaves our entire life because we will look at what needs improved in our life and we will think that we need to perform to get better so we can earn something that's been freely given to us. This is so important. The grace of God is what saves us. Our performance is not what saves us. 
We need to break free of this prison that's performance where we are slaves and we are trying to work hard to earn something that God has already given us. Walk in your sonship. Relate to him as your father, not as your master. Amen. So think of the difficulty in your life right now and say, I'm not a slave. I am a son. I am not a victim. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. Amen.